All right, glad you're with us. Only 278 days till the ultimate jury, you, we, the American people, and you will have an opportunity to shock the world again. I love uh, what is it? Senator Kennedy goes, you know, shows foreign policy can be bought like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> that cracks me up. Uh, tons of news to get to today. The question and answer beat down by the president's defense continues today, and it is a beatdown. Make no mistake about it. Schumer now acknowledging he probably does not have the votes for witnesses. Why would they need any more witnesses? And as Jay Seculo rightly pointed out, um, if you weren't subpoenaed in the House or under deposition in the House and they chose not to call you in the Clinton impeachment, uh, you were never called. You didn't get to bring in all the new witnesses that they've been calling for or else it's unfair. The unfairness was the the audition, uh, the auditioning of people behind closed doors by Schiff without allowing the president to cross examine or his attorneys to cross examine or bring witnesses or bring forth evidence. And none of the things that Newt Gingrich and the Republicans offered Bill Clinton was ever offered to Donald Trump. Now they're going to lecture anybody on fairness. It's it's beyond repulsive. But this means that this can come to a very quick end and he's mad. Oh, the president, Mitch McConnell, put huge pressure on these folks. Oh, really, Chuck? <laughs> like, that's not what you Democrats do. You know, a friend of mine said to me last night, with all this quid and pro and quo discussion here, how many times do these guys in Congress make all these quid pro quo deals? You support my pork barrel project. I'll support your pork barrel project. And the American taxpayers will go broke and... And we'll both get reelected because we're bringing the bacon home to our our selective districts, our individual districts. They do it every single time. It is a common occurrence in every way. Um, uh, Let me just get to the news as we begin today, because there is a lot of it. Uh, This tape, as released, I first saw it on the president's Twitter line. All of a sudden, the president tweets out, game over. And I'm like, what is this? Let me play it for you because it's John Bolton, a tape of him that surfaced. Now, it happens to be from Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty interview clip. It looked like it was a Fox News interview. It was not. It was them playing the interview. Uh, This is from August of 2019. And now what's what's so startling about it is when you think of the president's description of the call and the call was friendly and warm and cordial and they never talked about money or aid or anything, or but he didn't mention, well, I'm worried about corruption. President did say that with President Zelensky. Um, I listened to John Bolton, and he sounds exactly like President Trump describing the calls, both calls. Listen. I will be meeting President Zelensky. Uh, he and President Trump have already spoken twice. The uh, uh, president called to congratulate President Zelensky on his election and then on his success in the parliamentary election. They were very warm and cordial calls. Uh, we're hoping that uh, they'll be able to meet in Warsaw and have a few minutes together uh, because the success of Ukraine, uh, maintaining its freedom, uh, its system of representative government, uh, a free market economy free of corruption uh, and dealing with the problems of the Donbass and the Crimea are uh, high priorities here, obviously, but high priorities for the United States as well. Free of corruption. The call was warm and cordial and he didn't, it couldn't describe it in more glowing terms. There you go. 
Now, for the Mitt Romneys of the world, and I'll address him in a second, um, now it appears, hopefully, that Senator Mitch McConnell will have the votes to block further witnesses um, and wrap up what has been a pointless charade with no point of facts, with breathtaking hypocrisy, a stunning double standard, worse than I've ever seen it in my life. But we've had three years of it, so I guess maybe I, I shouldn't be surprised about any of this. Uh, Rob uh, Portman of Ohio, along with Cory Gardner yesterday, pretty much slammed the lid on things. The only two people that we might have that would vote for witnesses, I guess, at this point. Uh, but I guess Mitt Romney's going to lead the way. But it looks like everybody else... Uh, you know, we've had 18 witnesses, 18 of them, only one fact witness. The sole power to impeach is in the House, their power, the sole power to have the trials in the Senate. It's not for the senators to take on the role of the House, especially because all the sen- all these House impeachment people are out there bragging again and again and again and again and again. What were they telling us? Oh, no, we have a slam dunk case. Well, if you had a, a slam dunk case, uh, you know, as Jerry Nadler says, we proved this beyond any doubt whatsoever. Well, then, OK, then let us. Then why do you want more witnesses? Because you didn't prove the case. You proved nothing in this case. And the fact is, it would end up backfiring big time if we wanted to take the time and have witnesses. Now, I think there now has to be a time and a place to investigate the Bidens. The one thing that this has brought to my attention, the level of deep corruption that is the Biden syndicate. And it is a syndicate, as Peter Schweitzer describes in in all of its ugly details. And the fact that Democrats ignored you're not getting the billion unless you fired the prosecutor that that is is investigating my zero experience son tells you everything that you need to know. I mean, Schiff got so desperate yesterday. He said, well, you you can't just rely on what we investigated in the House. Well, no, that would be constitutionally the House's role. I mean, that to me is unbelievable. Then you got the other another whopper from Adam Schiff. I don't know who the whistleblower is. Well, the last time he said that, well, he ended up getting four Pinocchios for that statement. And remember, Schiff was originally going to let the whistleblower testify until it got revealed that his office was in full contact with the hearsay non-whistleblower whistleblower. And of course, he won't release the whistleblower's IG transcript. Why not? He's demanding witnesses and documents. How about those documents? You know, the one thing was an article on the American Spectator. This is Jeffrey Lord's magazine, Emmett Terrell's magazine, that, you know, Americans have impeached impeachment. It's the third time in history a president's been impeached. The first time Nobody cares. Now, that's a true statement, but it speaks volumes. Why Why are people rolling their eyes over this? Because this is just a non-stop continuation of three years of these witch hunts. You know, I, I, so it's it's just to me, it is it is unbelievable. It is it is a daily occurrence. As I say, every second minute hour of every 24 hour day, I'm not that's not hyperbole here. So the fact that Mitch McConnell now can bring this to a close with his fellow Republicans. OK, they, they did their impeachment. They had their trial. And now they can now they're going to complain about fairness, which is beyond a joke. This could happen as early as late Friday, tomorrow or early Saturday. And now we know that it is possible it could end on, late on Friday night. Democrats achieving their goal of of uh, 
without the Democrats achieving the goal of witnesses because they wanted to drag this thing on forever. So, I mean, why do they want to drag it on forever? Just to, to bloody up Trump, to impact the election. That's all this is. And now the whining and the complaining and then, you know, the attacks begin on and on and on. There, there were moments here where it was devastating for them. There was, you know, Jay Sekulow's exchange with Schiff when Sekulow looks, turns to Adam Schiff. It was pretty, it was a breathtaking moment. You know, an admission of, uh-oh, when he turns to Schiff, boxes him in, Schiff freezes when, when Jay Sekulow says, all right, I want Hunter Biden. I want Joe Biden and the whistleblower if witnesses are allowed. He, di- he did not know what to say. He didn't have his papers in front of him to answer for him. And then Sekulow follows it up and absolutely destroys it when he grills him about whether he'd proved his case. Because Sekulow pointed out, just like as Nadler has said, we've proven it beyond any doubt. Well, after 31 or 32 times, you said you've proven every aspect of your case. That's what you said. And then Schiff said, we did. Okay, if you proved your case, let's have the vote. We're done. So we'll get the end of the questioning period. Then we're going to get closing remarks. And then I think the move will be made uh, to uh, on witnesses that will die. The vote will occur. The president will be acquitted. He should be acquitted. And hopefully this all happens no later than Saturday. And we can enjoy the Super Bowl. By the way, I will. I got the interview for the pregame with the president and i guess i have nothing linda to ask him people are it's so funny people in the media what are you going to ask the president well first of all i try to think of all right so the person at home what are they doing on super bowl sunday what do i do on super bowl sunday what does everybody that i know do on super bowl sunday all right you're with friends you're with family right you're usually all right we're gonna get i don't know chicken wings and you know our favorite you know foods that we usually don't eat and cheeseburgers and steaks and maybe we'll we'll you know bring out the smoker and get a brisket going or ribs or whatever you happen to like whatever you happen to like or fish i don't care what you like maybe i'll make a salad even i don't think so um you know beer wine favorite cocktail and i don't think anyone's tuning in to hear sean hannity but i do think people would like to hear the president's reaction to all of this Obviously, 200, and at that day, it will be 275 days, I believe, till the election. So, obviously, that will be on uh, the question list. Um, And I think nobody's tuning in to see me. They can see me during the week. They can hear me on the radio. I think people want to hear from the president reacting to all of this. Obviously, a new peace deal, the issues with Iran, uh, Iran and the Middle East. You know, and, and I'll tell you, it is amazing, too, to watch... We now have the, uh, the person that's been screaming the loudest for Bolton is Adam Schiff. Well, now we found a tape of Adam Schiff uh, attacking John Bolton. Listen. Well, I think Bolton is not only a bad choice. Uh, it's honestly difficult to consider a worse choice. This is someone who's likely to exaggerate uh, the dangerous impulses of the president towards belligerence, uh, his uh, proclivity to act without thinking. Uh, and uh, his uh, his love of conspiracy theories, theory, uh, theories. Uh, Mr. Bolton has been AWOL. He's more, more focused on the next job than doing well at the last job. And particularly given the history uh, where we've had the politicization of intelligence over WMD, why we would pick someone uh, who the very same uh, issue has been raised repeatedly, and that is John Bolton's politicization of the intelligence he got on Cuba and on other issues. Me, why would we would want someone with that lack of credibility? 
credibility I can't understand. I can't understand how you even have a job or anyone takes you seriously after never-ending lies by this guy. Uh, you have one GOP senator, Josh Hawley. He wants to ask Adam Schiff to testify about his contact with the whistleblower. Good. Well, every senator, Republican senator, is weighing in. Martha McSally, I heard enough. 18 witnesses. Also, Cory Gardner. I don't believe we need to hear from the 19th witness or 18th witness. I've approached every aspect with grave constitutional duty. Same thing, Rob Portman, Chuck Schumer. Yeah, he's unhappy about it all as if we're supposed to care. Well, you know, I guess I guess the hearsay non-whistleblower whistleblowers like Lord Voldemort, Voldemort, he who must never be named because the chief justice blocked Rand Paul from mentioning the hearsay whistleblower's name. Oh, I didn't know that was so sacrosanct. And I think with the admission, we have Lindsey Graham saying, well, there, there are 53 Republican votes to call zero experience Hunter Biden. You know, Joe has said they're smearing me because they know I'm going to beat Donald Trump like a drum. Yeah, that's really working. There was an interview, apparently the fired prosecutor in Ukraine, Shokin. He has now spoken out and he's now demanding himself that a criminal investigation of the Biden syndicate begin, which I would tend to want to agree with. Uh, by the way, your mob in the media. Oh, yeah. 100 percent negative coverage of the Trump defense team. That did a fabulous job. 95% positive for the compromised congenital liars team. That's pretty much everything you need to know about the mob and the media. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. Watching that Bolton tape was just, you know, president tweets it out, game over. Now, maybe we need to hear more from Bolton because maybe the president said at one point in the White House, maybe he said that he wanted to quit in a pro and a quo. Okay, maybe he did say it. Let's assume for a second he said it. Okay, it's okay. Did anything change? Nope. Four facts never change. Actually, five that we have the transcript. Why? Because the president released it. We had all these other people he knew were listening in on that phone call. Anyway, never a mention of a quit or a pro or a quo. You know, you know do us a favor, get to the bottom of if Politico's correct and Ukraine court's correct, if, you know, we, we've had problems with this foreign election interference thing. The president is faithfully executing his job as president. Same thing, even if the president said, oh, I'm not giving them anything unless they do this, this, this or this. OK, well, they never ha talked about a quid pro quo. They never mentioned aid. Not one time. The president Zelensky, foreign minister, they have said over and over again, no pressure ever, no pushing, never any linkage. That to security assistance dollars ever with any type of investigation. The Ukrainians didn't even know at the time of the call that aid had been held up. But the most important part of it is even if, let's say the president said, yeah, we need to link this. We, we're not going to give them a penny until they do this, this and this. I would argue if the president did that, he'd be doing the right thing because why? Yeah, because as we've described in detail, what Joe and Hunter did is likely a crime. All of it. But they still got the money without taking any action. They never started any investigation. They never made a promise to start any investigation. They never announced that they'd have an investigation. They got all the aid. They even got it early. This was never a case. This has always been a, a, a shift sham show from the start.
Uh, we'll be meeting President Zelensky. Uh, he and President Trump have already spoken twice. Uh, uh, President called to congratulate President Zelensky on his election and then on his success in the parliamentary election. They were very warm and cordial calls. Uh, we're hoping that uh, they'll be able to meet in Warsaw and have a few minutes together uh, because the success of Ukraine, uh, maintaining its freedom, uh, its system of representative government, uh, a free market economy free of corruption uh, and dealing with the problems of the Donbass and the Crimea are uh, high priorities here, obviously, but high priorities for the United States as well. All right. That was the recently discovered tape September. Remember, the call was July 25th. John Bolton. I mean, it's almost listening. It's almost like listening. What was it? August 27th. Oh, I'm sorry. August, not September. August 27th. It's almost like listening to the president's description of the calls with Zelensky, you know, and yeah, corruption is a big issue and it's an important thing. And um, I thought calm as can be perfect description, calm, you know, no, nothing untoward in any way. That's why for those of you saying, well, what if what if what if John Bolton says in his manuscript, let's assume for a second he does say in his manuscript that, well, I heard the president say he's going to withhold aid. But unless they do A, B, C, and D, he's venting, he's fed up. I'm sick of it because the president did mention the corruption. And I see yourself surrounding yourself with some of the same corrupt people as your predecessor. That's a bad idea, the president said on that call. Okay, so there was a real concern about corruption. And by the way, what all I can see is everything surrounding Ukraine seems to be corrupt at this point. Uh, but the question is, what did the president do? Remember, the only one fact witness that asked directly what he's going to what he wants to, for the aid to be released. Nothing. Now, remember, there was never any talk of aid in five subsequent meetings after the July 25th call with Zelensky. Now, one time was aid ever brought up or connected in any way to actions or promises of actions by President Zelensky. I mean, this is Pompeo and Pence and, and all of these ambassadors that seem to think they run foreign policy. Even they all said the same thing. And it goes back to, OK, well, we have the transcript of the call. They never mentioned aid on the call. Certainly there was no quid pro quo in the transcripts. The president of Ukraine and the foreign minister said over and over again, we never felt any pressure. We never had any pushing. We never had any linkage between any security assistance dollars and any type of announcement or investigation or doing an investigations. They didn't even know that the aid was held up for a period of time. They took and in the end, well, let's say the president said to Bolton, I'm going to make them do this or they're not getting the money. Well, they got the money. They got every bit of it. Some of it early. They did nothing. They took no action. Zero. They never started an investigation. They never promised to start an investigation. They never announced an investigation and they got all of the money. So it's like saying, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to slap that guy right across his head. Boom. That's what I want to do. And I say it in a room full of people. You are guilty of slapping that guy across the head. And I'm like, no, what do you mean? Because I said it because I thought it. I mean, that's that's where they would want this to go. Uh, Senator John Barrasso telling reporters today it was possible this trial will end tomorrow with Democrats without Democrats achieving their goal of extra witnesses. 
Uh, the momentum is clearly in the direction of moving to final judgment on Friday. That vote will be Friday, said Barrasso. We have a couple of members who said they still want to listen to the answers and questions, but that's where the momentum is. Senator Lindsey Graham saying that he expects the president will be acquitted by the week's end, and it will be this week. Nancy Pelosi, though, well, she's having a bit of a meltdown here, insisting that the president will not be acquitted, becoming so unhinged at one point that she kind of lapsed into a state of denial, repeating over and over again. He will not be acquitted. He will not be acquitted if you don't have a trial. If you don't have a trial, if you don't have witnesses and documentation, I, I mean, this is how nuts the left is. Well, he will not be acquitted. You cannot be acquitted if you don't have a trial. And you don't have a trial if you don't have witnesses and documentation and, and that. I would hope that the, the senators, if it comes to a tie or if there's a question of hearing testimony or doc- receiving documents, would leave it up to the chief justice of the Supreme Court. Uh, Republican appointed uh, in a Republican majority court, I would think that they would have confidence in the Chief Justice of the United States. That's really his title. And that's interesting to me that they're afraid of breaking a tie with the uh, Chief Justice of the United States. Does the president know right from wrong? I don't think so. This is never going to end. Can you just imagine if the words in 278 days are uttered all all across the fake media news mob? We can now project Donald J. Trump has been reelected the 45th president of the United States. This is not going to end well for them. There'll probably be a thousand more impeachments. I don't think they're going to understand. This is their hope, though, that John Roberts is going to be the tiebreak vote. Hopefully it's not necessary. If it's 50-50, though, it wouldn't be Robert's role to take on at that point. It would be, okay, motion doesn't pass. That's it. No witnesses. That's the way that would. Co- that's the way that should go down, you know. And, what? by the way, there's, there's been some talk about Roberts clearly having a double standard when it comes to how the two sides are being treated. And Roberts has thrown federal rules of evidence out the window. Democrats now, they're just making any charge they want, no matter how unsubstantiated, no no matter how irrelevant. The lies that have been told uh, to the American people have been numerous, and nobody's gotten started. Nobody stops them. They they lied about it, how how it all started. Lie yesterday again by, uh, you know, uh, the congenital liar himself about how this all got started. We had no contact. We'd love to hear what the whistleblower has to say. They didn't. Oh, yeah, I should have been more forthcoming. And now he's back to I never talked to the whistleblower. Um, that's Adam Schiff in motivations. I think Al Green expressed that pretty well. And yeah, well, we're never going to be able to beat him. We better impeach him. Whatever evidence they say they have. OK, they're they're passing off opinion witnesses and hearsay as real evidence, which in the federal rules of the admissions of evidence is not allowable. You know, they keep saying, oh, we've proven our case over and over again. OK, then call the vote. You know, the whole they had to make up the transcript with Zelensky. They just this whole obstruction thing because the executive branch in conflict with the legislative branch seeks remedy with the judicial branch. We've been over that again and again. There's never was a quid pro quo. The four facts remain the same, as Jim Jordan says. The fifth facts, fact is that there's five subsequent meetings, high level with Zelensky. AIDS never mentioned in any of those if it was such a prominent front and center issue. It's urgent, though, so urgent that they had to do it so fast that uh, so they could take their vacation and then hold it back for four weeks. I mean, it's absolutely insane. 
But anyway, back to Roberts, you know, all the hearsay testimony he's allowing to be admitted. You know, as a matter of fact, the bias has been so bad. There's a FoxNews.com piece. You know, Senate Republicans are now threatening to hold a vote to publicly rebuke John Roberts. That was after Roberts shut down Senator Rand Paul for daring to try to discuss the hearsay non-whistleblower whistleblower. Or Kamala Harris allowed to, you know, sneak in a reference to an Access Hollywood tape. You know, we didn't hear a peep of protest from Roberts. Anyway, the article goes on to say Chief Justice of the United States, John Roberts, blocked Kentucky Senator Rand Paul from posing a question during the Senate impeachment trial Wednesday. that would have named the alleged whistleblower at the center of the case. Fox News learned Roberts may soon lose his grip on the proceedings amid a torrent of criticism from both inside and outside the Senate. Sean Davis of the Federalist, who comes on this program, condemning what he called Roberts arbitrary unilateral censorship of senators and Senate business. He's right. It is arbitrary. And Roberts had initially sought to block even general questions of the intelligence community whistleblower. Republicans threatened a, a, a vote rebuking Roberts on the record, and Roberts backed down, decided only to prohibit mentioning the whistleblower's name. But, it, you know, but, you know, it, it just goes on and on. Senator Harris got the Supreme Court chief justice to read a quote from Donald Trump's Access Hollywood tape. Okay, and that has what to do with what? We got it. By the way, this is impacting the race, too. AP points out when it comes to 2020 in 278 days, um, an AP uh, NORC Center for Public Affairs research, 43% of Republicans are excited about the election. They can't wait to get to the polls. Only 33% of Democrats, 66% of Democrats report anxiety about the election. That's probably just the media. Um, And what is the House doing today? They're trying to restrain the president's ability to fight back against Iran. Wow. And contrary to media reports, this was on Fox News. The White House is not blocking Bolton's book. I've invited Bolton on this program on TV. If he has something to say, say it now, John. I mean, you know, the whole thing is frustrating to me. You know, we keep hearing these little, you know, crumbs thrown out by either him or his his lawyer. And I'm like, oh, just say it. Whatever. You I guess they want to save it for the book. Um, but it doesn't matter, which is the main point. Um, one of oh, things keep getting worse for quid pro quo. Joe, remember, I, I told you about, uh, you know, the the other we have five now part of the syndicate everybody i won't even bring this up it's just not worth it democrats lost this bellwether race in a gop landslide in houston texas houston chronicle democrats i fort bend special election for signs of hope for 2020 huffington post if texas is gonna turn blue it starts with this special election how they work out not so good the democratic candidate lost by 16 points a crushing landslide. Biden, oh, Biden's so good, smart. He's now warning Iowa voters he may die in office, so it's important for me to pick somebody really good as vice president. That's really reassuring, isn't for it? For me, it has to be demonstrated that whomever I pick is two things. One, is capable of immediately being president because I'm an old guy, okay? Oh, I might die. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. Look, I'm in, thank God, I'm in great health. I work, I, no, I'm serious. Don't seem in great health to me. You look like you aged 30 years since you left office, my own humble opinion. Evening News Newsbusters points out 100% negative. Kind of hard to be 100% of anything on Trump defense, but 95% positive on the Democrats led by Schiff. 
You know, I feel sorry for Professor Dershowitz. So Professor Dershowitz dares to do something that's called be intellectually honest and, and not go along with his left-wing friends in the mob. What, then there's a price to pay for it. Remember Deneen Borelli's book, Blacklash? And in the beginning of the book, she says, Google my name and you'll see all the horrible things I've been called. And it's horrible. And I've, I've interviewed so many conservative African-Americans, same story. If you dare to take a position, oh, that's not liked by, by the mob that is the left wing in this country, boy, you're going to pay a price, a dear price. Now, I think that's changing. By the way, did you check that poll uh, from Rasmussen, Linda, that I asked you about? Yeah, I did. I actually talked to our uh, exclusive Sean Hannity pollsters. It's at 21. Yeah, the president is, you know, all these polls show the presidents at, at, in the 20s or 30s now support with African-Americans. Unbelievable. You know, we got Joe Lockhart or CNN's Lockhart. Dershowitz's argument, what you hear from is what you hear from Stalin, Mussolini and Hitler. What did you this make when sick. you heard that? I mean, everybody did respond to that sort of saying, wait, what just what did he just yeah, say? I mean, ha- having having worked in about a dozen campaigns, there is always the sense that, boy, if we win, it's better for the country. But that doesn't give you license to commit crimes or to do things that are unethical. So it was absurd. And what I thought when I was watching it was, this is un-American. This is what you hear from Stalin. This is what you hear from Mussolini, what you hear from from Hitler, from all the authoritarian people who rationalized, uh, you know, in some cases, genocide based on what was in the public interest. Um, It it was a startling um, and I I still can't believe he went on the floor of the Senate and, and made that argument. Wow. John Berman, fake news, CNN, you know, same thing there, too. Dershowitz arguing for unlimited presidential power. Blows your mind. He's being attacked by everybody. Everybody. They can't stand the fact that he's th- that he has a different thought. And then when you don't, when you get away from that group think, man, oh, you're not a good liberal anymore. Well, you deserve to be excoriated for that. It's really sick and it's ugly and it's twisted, but it's all too common. By the way, they're doing everything they can to stop Bernie. Bernie's now pulling away in Iowa and in New Hampshire. They're all afraid. And um, let's see if they try to screw Bernie again. That'll be interesting. I think I was the only one that stood up for poor Bernie and what he's doing. Michael Bloomberg's trying to buy his way. He's got a Super Bowl ad out about uh, guns. Okay. Good luck if you think that's going to He's a former liberal New York City mayor. But we'll see what happens. President, I saw the president's Super Bowl ad. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it yet. It was on ad week, I think. Um, but I'll let you watch it during the Super Bowl. All right, we got a lot coming up. Uh, oh, Carter Page filed a lawsuit. We'll get the details next. We got new tape from James O'Keefe. We got, oh, my friend Burgess Owen today, preview of the Super Bowl, and he's going to run for Congress in Utah. That's awesome. All right, so possibly as early tomorrow uh, or Saturday, acquittal. And, yeah, Nancy Pelosi is not having a good time coming to grips with it. Um, this whole issue, the, now there's this lawsuit that was filed by Carter Page. This was on the heels of the admission of the Department of Justice that, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, those FISA warrants were obtained illegally is huge. We'll get to that. We'll get back to the topic of the day. Obviously, impeachment, what's happening in Washington as final questions, final arguments, and a hopefully uh, the debate ending with no witnesses and the shift sham show ending. 
Straight ahead. Why didn't you identify it in, A, a explicitly who the U.S. entities were, the U.S. political campaign, the, the, the other U.S. entities, and number two, why was it in a footnote rather than written in big red magic marker in block letters across every page of the thing? Nobody's going to miss a page-long footnote in regular type. Okay? <laughs> not, not even busy federal judges? No, and that's the other thing. Look, these are federal judges, for goodness sake. They know how to evaluate wiretap applications. They've been doing it in their regular jobs uh, before they get to the FISA court with Title III applications, and then they've been on the court for a while. These are serious, serious judges, and they have a highly qualified professional staff of lawyers who work only for the court who review all these things. And there's a constant dialogue back and forth. On this particular application, what conversations exactly took place between the FISA court, the judges themselves, the legal advisors, the Department of Justice, the FBI, I don't remember. I wasn't privy to all those communications. But my assessment was that the information set forth in that gigantic footnote was consistent with the type of information and the way we would phrase things to basically effectively be the red light on top of the uh, on top of the a document like hey court pay attention to this there are issues here we we think you need to know about these things my view was and I, I we have a and I'm well aware of this the department attorneys have a have the highest duty of candor to the FISA court that exists in law it's an ex-party proceeding, and we have the obligation to tell the court every uh, material fact with respect to the application. And so I wanted to make sure that that was done. I thought that this was sufficient to put the court on notice, and I don't know what else to say. Uh, you've previously said that you think it's possible that the Federal Bureau of Investigation improperly spied on the Trump campaign. I assume that's a reference uh, to the FISA warrant for Carter Page. Is, is that what you have in mind, or are there other circumstances that you've got in mind there? Well, one of the things I want to look... Uh, there are people... Many people seem to assume uh, that the only uh, intelligence collection that occurred was the, uh, a single um, confidential informant and a FISA warrant. I'd like to find out whether that is, in fact, true. It strikes me as a fairly anemic effort if that was the counterintelligence effort designed to stop the threat as it's being represented. Was Carter Page under surveillance uh, uh, during his time working for the Trump campaign, which was uh, roughly January 2016 to September 2016? I don't know. Was any other Trump campaign official uh, under surveillance during that time period, to your knowledge? Well, th these are the, the things that I, I need to, to look at. And I have to say that, as I've said before, you know, the extent that there was any overreach, I believe uh, it, it was uh, some a few people in the, in the upper echelons of, of uh, the Bureau and, and perhaps the Department, uh, but those people are no longer there. Why not open this investigation? What's the harm? You've said intrusive means. So what, what is your concern about the fact that they did this? Well, I think the big picture is this. From day one, remember, they say, okay, we're not going to go to talk to the campaign. We're going to put people in there, wire them up, and have these conversations with people involved in the campaign. Because that way we'll get the truth. From the very first day of this investigation, 
which was July 31st, 2016, all the way to its end in September 2017, there was not one incriminatory bit of evidence to come in. It was all exculpatory. The people that they were taping denied any uh, involvement with Russia, denied the very specific facts that the FBI was was uh, relying on. So what happens? The FBI ignores it, presses ahead, withholds that information from the court, withholds critical exculpatory information from the court while it gets a uh, electronic surveillance warrant. It also withholds from the court uh, clear-cut evidence that the uh, dossier that they ultimately relied on to get the FISA warrant was a complete sham. I mean, those words that we just heard from the attorney general are devastating. Now, remember, the inspector general, that would be Michael Horowitz, is he had the purview only of the DOJ and the FBI. And, and he could not go outside of or beyond that. But now the recognition, yeah, it really all happened. In other words, yeah, what Hannity was saying for three years and a few other people and Devin Nunes and the Freedom Caucus guys uh, uncovered and our ensemble team, we were all dead on accurate. Everything from the Espionage Act, bleach bit, obstruction of justice, the dirty Russian dossier used uh, as the as the bulk of information in the FISA warrant, uh, unverifiable, the warnings about it being unverifiable, uh, premeditated fraud on a FISA court, spying on an individual, Carter Page, denying him his civil liberties, his constitutional protections, backdooring his 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 connection to the Trump campaign to spy on a presidential candidate, later a transition team, and then a presidency. And that's only one of what is multiple ways that spying occurred, and more of which we're going to get the details of in the months ahead when we get the Durham investigation complete and we get the Barr report. And I, this time I would expect that there's going to be indictments. I, if there's any equal application of our laws and equal justice under the law, that, that's got to happen. And I know we're taking a little break here from all of our impeachment coverage, but this, this matters. This matters a lot. And former Trump campaign advisor Carter Page filed a lawsuit in federal court against the DNC and the law firm Perkins Coie and their partners that are tied to funding this unverifiable dossier that served as the basis for all of the surveillance warrants against him and then also Donald Trump candidate transition team and president. He filed the court in U.S. District Court in the Northern District of Illinois, their Eastern Division. He did it uh, early yesterday morning, described by his attorneys as the first of multiple actions in the wake of historic Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act abuse. And the Department of Justice has admitted that this is all true now. Now it's just a matter of how deep we go into this. The first step to ensure that this, the, the, the weaponization, if you will, of, of the powerful tools of intelligence we entrust... 99% of the people, I, I say it all the time, are good people. We need great intelligence for the safety and security of this country. If we have to remove FISA, it ends up hurting the country, creating vulnerabilities we otherwise would not need to have. But if the top brass, the, the 1%, weaponize this as they clearly have, then it puts 
all of our civil liberties in jeopardy, our constitutional rights in jeopardy. Um, now, the attorneys for Carter Page saying this is the first salvo. We're going to follow the evidence wherever it leads, no matter how high the rule of law will prevail. Now, this uh, first defamation suit uh, against uh, the parties in October 2018 in the federal court of Oklahoma, but the suit was dismissed after the judge ruled that the court lacked jurisdiction. Okay, well, now they have jurisdiction. Uh, anyway, this is a huge development. This will turn into something that will shock the conscience and soul of the country. I've been saying that, too, because now we have we have complete vindication. Everything we reported was right. Unfortunately, uh, Carter Page had to live through this, and he joins us now for an update. Uh, well, first of all, good for you. I've suggested in past interviews you do this. Uh, I think it's not only fair for you uh, personally, but I do believe that it's an important first step if we're ever going to stop this from ever happening again. Sean, well, first of all, I, I, as you say, this is something you've been in- encouraging me to do for a long time. And I, I think more than just encouraging, uh, I, I want to I'm going to start by saying uh when I when I told my family that uh, that I'm going to be on with you on the on the air here, they they were really looking forward to, to hearing the uh, hearing you as they as they always do. But they they, they asked me to uh, take the take the opportunity to say that you know for for almost three years you you Sean Hannity have been the page quote the page family beacon of hope, and you know we had talked previously about a uh, you know you getting a. a Pulitzer Prize or something. Uh, yeah, for, but, but, for all but, your by the way, anytime points. anyone, the only ones that get Pulitzer Prizes are people that report false news, like the New York Times and Washington Post. You know, you know what though, Carter? Honestly, I, 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 you're very nice to say all that. We had an ensemble team. If if it were yeah. to go anywhere, I would say it is my radio and television staff, the people behind the yeah. scenes. It is the ensemble cast we put that every one of us digging. Behind the scenes, it is the, the, those congressmen. Um, I will tell you, though, the only if I take any satisfaction in the vindication that the mob has been dead wrong every single time, um, as I predicted. And and if I take any satisfaction is that I did my job properly for my audience. And I, yeah, I'm like a dog on a bone. I will admit it. When I dig in, I dig in. And I knew I was right. And our, our sources were numerous and impeccable and unimpeachable. And I will tell you, it is I take satisfaction knowing that my audience was told the truth. The other audiences of all the other fake news groups was not told the truth. Well, Sean, you're absolutely right. And it goes so far beyond news. Uh, You are absolutely a stalwart. But on top of that, you know, the other point that my family made is uh, they should they should actually give you a Nobel Peace Prize for what you've done for our country. And, and actually, I, I say that also with a yeah. you know, similar New York Times issue, because the, uh, you know, Nobel Prize that has a, uh, a checkered past to some people that, uh, let's just say, might not have deserved it so much. Uh, speaking of Illinois, but yes, you want to know what's interesting, just as a side note here. Do you realize in this Ukrainian impeachment sham, which we know now is going to end, we know how it ends. Do you know that the evening newscast, according to Newsbusters, was 100% negative on the Trump defense, which was amazing, and 95% positive for the congenital liar who's compromised? That's how sick the mob and the media is, the ones that were pushing the Russia hoax and ignoring your story or ignoring even today. I'm very I'm, I, I couldn't be happier today for 
General Flynn, because now the Department of Justice backed down from seeking jail time on him. Thank God, this oh, poor guy. Wow, awesome. I, I, I missed it. I've been, I've been so deep in this, uh, uh, this important case that I, I, I haven't had a chance to catch up on that essential case. So it's, that is really terrific news. I uh, look forward to hearing well, tell more. Tell me where uh, you're going to take this. Show. Our audience, you know, um, you know, the sad part for you is lawsuits take forever. This is now going to be yeah. a decade of your life when it's all said and done. Yes. Well, Sean, this is really, you know, it's it's a rebuilding process for our entire country. You say that, but, you know, it, it's as you just said, in terms of the Ukraine hoax after the Russia hoax, which is all, you know, this current uh, civil action uh, stems from. It, it is going to be a rebuilding process. What what President Trump uh, and his administration and, and all Americans have gone through over the last several years is has just been tragic. And it's it's now a rebuilding period as we start to uh, move beyond this and try to get some justice. So it's, uh, you know, a, a lot of people have, uh, you know, uh, people in history, uh, in American history have uh, been, you know, gone through various injustices. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not so much about them. It's about the uh, really the, the country at large. And I, I hope, you know, we can keep, keep taking some additional steps in that direction. Explain in the last minute we have the pain that this has brought to your family. Well, it's uh, it, it really it, it's similar to uh, you know the Trump family as well. Uh, on one hand, it's been extraordinarily painful. On the other hand, it is a great source of strength. You know, something that really uh, puts you through incredible pressure and stress really brings uh, families together, but it, it brings all Americans together. The ones that aren't completely deceived by congenital liars and completely fake news. So uh, I'm actually very uh, hopeful and, again, greatly appreciate everything you've done, Sean, and uh, looking forward to great things ahead, step by step, as you said. The last thing I'd like to say to you personally is you worked on behalf of your country. You worked for three-letter agencies. We now know. I know, you, you know, you got outed. It wasn't me. I figured it out, though, eventually. And that means you put your life at risk. And that means that you shared intelligence that you gathered in dangerous places with dangerous operatives on the world stage. And for that part, thank you, because all your brave fellow intelligence officers, the brave men of the FBI, the 99 percent that do a great job for us. You know what? We don't thank you guys enough. Thank you for all you did. Thank you, Sean. It's uh, fighting for America. And you've been a great uh, voice throughout all of that. Thank you very much. All right, we appreciate it, and we'll be in touch. Carter Page, this lawsuit now moves forward as it should. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Um, when we come back, oh, we have James O'Keefe with uh, oh, new new breaking tape. Back to our top issue. Obviously, this looks like it's all winding down favorably uh, for the president, and hopefully an acquittal by Saturday the latest. Uh, we'll preview my Super Bowl interview with the president on Sunday as we continue. I think we've got to be clear. They put this forward in an aggressive and fast-paced way. And now they're saying, now we need witnesses. After 31 or 32 times, you said you proved every aspect of your case. That's what you said. Well, you didn't. You said he just said he did. Well, then I don't think we need any witnesses. Checkmate Jay Sekulow, lead attorney for the president. I mean, they've been masterful. The entire team that the president has assembled here in every single solitary way. 
And, you know, all the whining and complaining about fairness and due process and on and on and droning on and on. There's never been any due process given the president of the United States in any of this. I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. You know, now Bolton tape comes out and they're like, oh, he sound Bolton's description of the president's conversations with Zelensky and talk about corruption is exactly the point we've been making. I uh, will be meeting President Zelensky. Uh, he and President Trump have already spoken twice. The uh, uh, president called to congratulate President Zelensky on his election and then on his success in the parliamentary election. They were very warm and cordial calls. Uh, we're hoping that uh, they'll be able to meet in Warsaw and have a few minutes together uh, because the success of Ukraine, uh, maintaining its freedom, uh, its system of representative government, uh, a free market economy, free of corruption, uh, and dealing with the problems of the Donbass and the Crimea are uh, high priorities here, obviously, but high priorities for the United States as well. And again, I go to the issue. Why did why is Joe quid pro quo Joe and zero experience Hunter so important in all of this? Because the president has an oath, a duty to faithfully execute the laws of the land. You know, that's when they got into this whole conversation of, well, the president, maybe it benefits him politically, but is he doing it for the for, uh, their other real significant right issues, even if he was making, even if it somehow was in his brain politically motivated? And the answer is obviously yes. I won't go through them again, but I identified all the crimes on this program yesterday. Bribery. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And and we can hear it. And we And it's it's there right before you. Now, the thing is, is I, I listen to all of this. I listen to Bolton. He sounds like he's describing the phone calls exactly the way President Trump has described them and exactly what we read. There was talk of corruption. Bolton mentioned corruption. It was talk about, oh, well, you know, there was a great call between the two of them, warm and cordial. It was never any mention of any quid or pro or quo like Joe. Now, let's say that the president, Bolton says in his book, if he says, well, president said he's going to tie it to 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 investigations regarding Ukrainian election interference in 2016, which Politico reported and a Ukraine court reported, and he's going to tie it to an investigation into Biden. The four facts never change, do they? So it doesn't matter if he thought maybe and even expressed whatever. It doesn't matter what he did matters. And we we can see and we, the evidence is now so overwhelming and incontrovertible about the Bidens and their shakedown using taxpayer dollars. Another massive boomerang right on their heads. The only frustrating part is, is are people like Mitt Romney. You know, it doesn't I honestly it is sad when when I've seen this happen before, starting with Al Gore. Look at all the modern day political figures that lose elections. Al Gore, John McCain, Hillary Clinton, Mitt Romney. I don't know. Something changes. And I think it's because they all thought they're going to win. I mean, then also for Fox, we, we picked up last night. We showed you on TV. You know, we have the compromised congenital liar himself talking about the one guy he's begging to have as a witness, John Bolton. But after hearing John Bolton, it's game over. This is game, set, match. Let's let's get through the final arguments. Let's call the roll. 
and vote to acquit. Because even Schiff is saying about the one big witness they thought they'd had, which we now have a tape that would probably contradict whatever he has to say in the book. One and number two, it wouldn't matter what the president said anyway, because it's what he did that matters. You can say, I want to punch somebody in the face and beat the living crap out of him. But if you don't do it, it's it's not a crime to, to think or to vent or to express every, a thought that you have no intention of ever acting on. And that's the bottom line here. There was corruption there. What he did have a, a an oath to fulfill, to faithfully execute. There's beyond real reason to look into the Bidens. But Adam Schiff, he wants Bolton. That's not what he said about Bolton in a prior interview in March of 2018. Listen. Well, I think Bolton is not only a bad choice, uh, it's honestly difficult to consider a worse choice. This is someone who's likely to exaggerate uh, the dangerous impulses of the president towards belligerence, uh, his uh, proclivity to act without thinking, uh, and uh, his uh, his love of conspiracy theories, theory, uh, theories. Oh, love of conspiracy theories. That's him. Well, OK, well, maybe he's spinning a conspiracy theory here. I mean, and, and to watch this congenital liar lie again, I mean, you know, first he declares old Bolton is a conspiracy theorist, but I want him to testify. I love Jay's point. Nadler, oh, our case is proven beyond any doubts at all. Okay, okay, then why call for witnesses that you didn't even call to make a case, as you said, beyond any and all doubt? And Schiff telling the Senate, well, no, you wait, you can't rely on what was just investigated in the House. Well, he needs to read the Constitution because the power to impeach that power is the sole power of the House of Representatives. That's not the power of the Senate. And now they want the Senate to go back and do their job because they failed and they failed miserably. Their case fell apart. And we even got more lies on top of it. I mean, I don't know who the whistleblower is. I'm like, huh? Because you apologized on a Sunday program. So, well, I should have been more forthcoming about the contact that my office had with the whistleblower. He's just just never ending lies. And this is what has now gone on for three years. And of course, he refuses, doesn't want to hand over the hearsay whistleblower friend of all things Adam Schiff's office after demanding witnesses. Well, why can't we have the uh, the whistleblower IG transcript? This was a hearsay whistleblower because that would expose the contact that exists between the congenital liar's office and the whistleblower and the whistleblower. If he testifies, that's also a problem for them based on a report that came out last week saying that, oh, he was he was an Obama holdover talking with another Obama holdover only two weeks after Trump took office about how to get rid, rid of him. You know, it, it's I will tell you, it's the third impeachment in history and it's never mattered less to the American people because after three long years of lies, conspiracy theories, smears, besmirchment, character assassination, lying reporting, wrong reporting, misinformation, rage, psychotic hate. The American people have figured it all out. And that's why 278 days matters. And is is the president's base motivated? Oh, I think so. I think so. So hopefully this ends no later than Saturday. I'll interview the president for the Super Bowl and I'll, you know, people say, well, every reporter asking me, they're trying to ask me, well, what are you going to ask in the interview? Um, how about 
questions about this. Well, uh, um, well, you know, uh, you know, I, I tried to put myself in the mind of somebody at home that's going to be watching, you know, this is what, two, two and a half hours before the Super Bowl. What are they going to be doing? You know, I'd, I'd rather just have a fun interview with the president. Obviously, times call for serious questions here and we'll get reaction to all of these events that have been unfolding. And obviously we have national security issues and we do have an election coming up, all of which I will ask him. But I think it's the moment the American people let the president answer. I don't think anyone's tuning in. Well, what's Sean Hannity going to say on the Super Bowl? I don't think they care. And unlike the mob, I'll actually let him answer in his own words so that people can take it in themselves and then judge for themselves. I have faith in them to make the right decision. The contempt comes from the left. It comes from the mob and the media. It comes from these politicians. It reveals itself in, in ways like what happened with Don Lemon this week or Hillary's irredeemable deplorables or uh, Peter Strzok's smelly Walmart Trump supporters or, you know, those that cling to God, their Constitution, their Bibles and religion by Obama. All of which is, you know, it exposes a contempt that they have for us. You know, and now now that we this is, you know, hopefully comes to an end, th this should not end for the Bidens. I love when Jay Seculo had this exchange yesterday, you know, when when Seculo brings up the issue of Schiff and witnesses and saying, yeah, we want Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and the whistleblower if witnesses are allowed. And Seculo says that to the congenital liar and uh, Schiff just froze. He just he didn't he didn't have his notes in front of him. He couldn't answer that question. And then Jay Seculo follows up again. You know, when it comes to witnesses, grilling Schiff about whether he'd proved his case. After 31 or 32 times, you said you proved every aspect of your case. That's what you said, Schiff. We did. Okay? If you did, then I guess we don't need witnesses now, do we? Let the Senate vote. I mean, it was, a, it was one of those moments where you realize just how awful this has been. The repetition, the let, let's even go back to the 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 he, not, not only just the, the opinion witnesses, one of which wanted to impeach Trump for tweeting out the words fake news. You, really? That's that's your expert. A hack like that. And then the moment when Jonathan Turley goes, yeah, let's talk about abuse of power because you're abusing your power. It was devastating. And John Jonathan Turley never voted for Trump. Never. These are very, you know, it, it, they're interesting times for sure. But they're all this is this is all dangerous. This is a power grab. This has been a never ending three year temper tantrum. And people cannot accept the results of we the people. And I don't know what happens because I, I have a I have a good feeling. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. Anybody that ever tells you they know what the election results are going to be doesn't know anything. That I've learned in the course of 31 years on radio and 24 at Fox. I think every measure, president's doing well, and we see it. Is he going to be rewarded for that? I think he might. But again, it's, not, it's, it's always hard for a Republican nationally, especially with this group of radical leftist socialists 
It should help. 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. Uh, oh, an investigative report. Now we have the South Carolina field organizer for Bernie Sanders. Oh, wait till you hear his latest uh, uh, development. All right, as we continue on, 800-941-SHAWN, uh, our number. Uh, all right, next hour, by the way, Project Veritas. James O'Keefe has some new tape we'll, we'll bust open here on the program. We'll get to your calls. I, I realized when I when we were talking to Carter Page, I never finished the news on Michael Flynn. Pretty amazing because the Department of Justice has now abruptly dropped their threat to seek jail time when General Flynn is sentenced based on, quote, his guilty plea. And uh, this back down is fascinating to me. Um, Not clear why they now have softened their position. Now, we do know Flynn, you know, has been treated horribly. We've chronicled 33 years, no more money, has to sell his house. They made him admit to something he didn't do. He said, quote, in truth, I never lied. He wrote in a supplemental motion to withdraw his guilty plea. My guilty plea has rankled me throughout the process, and while I allow myself to succumb to threats from the government to save my family, all true, I believe I was grossly misled about what really happened. In support of a potential sentence of probation, the government notes two similarly situated high-ranking officials who committed similar crimes and got probation. Former National Security Advisor Sandy Berger, yeah, he was the one shoving documents down his pants and said he was being sloppy. He stole classified information, lied to investigators. Then the David Petraeus case he talks about. Um, With all due respect, don't ever compare General Flynn to Sandy Berger. Sandy Berger caught stealing top secret 9-11 documents from the National Archives. What did he do? He shoved them down his underwear. He shoved them in his socks. He stuffed them in his underwear. He was working for Bill Clinton at the time helping Clinton prepare for his testimony before the 9-11 Commission. In other words, he was helping Clinton get rid of damning information about 9-11. So uh, he wouldn't get caught, so he'd get caught in any major lies. But everyone said, oh, he's just being sloppy. Oh, yeah, we all are sloppy. We all shove papers down our crotch and, you know, by our backside and in our socks. That's sloppy? No, never bought that either. All right, quick break. When we come back, News Roundup Information Overload Hour straight ahead. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour. We'll get to your calls this hour. Also, uh, we'll give you our Super Bowl interview preview, and we'll talk to our good friend Burgess Owens coming up in a second. Uh, In some other news I wanted to get to today, this is just too important. What Project Veritas is doing, I know they often get stepped on in terms of other news taking precedence over what they discover, but... They've done phenomenal work and and exposed a lot of, you know, I can't believe I'm hearing this stuff. You know, even threats that they sent over to the Secret Service. You got these field organizers and Bernie Sanders campaign, and I guess they haven't even been fired yet. Anyway, the latest is this Martin uh, Weisgerber, South Carolina field organizer for the Sanders campaign. I mean, I'm going to play for you. Just it, it, it runs a little long, but I want you to just listen. And what you're going to hear is him suggesting that we ought to dissolve our government for Bernie Sanders and his cabinet. You're going to hear him say he's ready for a revolution, guillotine the rich. You're going to hear him joking about putting Republicans like McConnell and Graham in these re-education camps. I know he's similar to the other guy and say that the Soviet Union was the most progressive place for women's rights in the world. I'm like, really? Or, you know, putting billionaires in the gulags. 
you know, force them to build roads and bridges. Let's play it. I canvassed with someone who's like uh, uh, an anarchist and I canvassed with someone who's, you know, more, more of a Marxist-Leninist. And so we do it. I mean, we attract, um, you know, rad- radical, like truly radical people to the campaign. Um, but uh, that's obviously not like outward facing sort of. And Bernie, does he know that? Um, well, I think we're, I think the goal is just to build a, uh, you know, to build a, build a coalition of people, and, and a lot of those people who, who who do that kind of work are are, you know, their their politics fall well outside of the American sort of norm. So they're Marxist-Leninists, they're anarchists, they're these types of folks, and um, and they have more of a mind for direct action for engaging in politics outside of the electoral system. Like, here we think of, you know, gulags being central to Russia, to Siberia, and, like, lock away, you know, lock you up, throw away the key. And they were saying that is such a misconception. They're like re-education camps. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about that? Pardon me. I'm afraid I'm yeah, it's, it's interesting because um, I think, uh, I think, at least my reading of, of kind of that Cold War era, era is that you had two massive, you know, you had these huge opposing ideologies and empires and superpowers, and when you have that much power, um, each side is going to do everything it can to control a narrative and to and to um, to sort of have its own truth um, to, to to support its uh, sort of sort of power structure and things like that, and so I think that. Um, I think if we pay attention to the, to the lived experience of people in, in, in post-Soviet states and in, and in Russia and things like that, then we do find that, yeah, like a lot of the stories were told in the United States about, you know, the gulags and the persecution of the kulaks and things like that are exaggerated. But uh, we certainly don't have a, 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 a straight perspective on that stuff here in America. I think, you know, we don't want to scare people off, so you kind of got to feel it out first before you get into the crazy stuff, but... um, What kind of crazy stuff? Tell me. You know, we were talking about, you know, more more extreme organizations and stuff like Antifa, and, you know, you're talking about the yellow vests and all that, but, you know, we're kind of keeping that, keeping that in the, on the back burner for right now. That even if Bernie is elected, change will not come swiftly or easily. So we have to, you know, the connections that we're making now within the campaign and with other volunteers and at events, it's very important that we retain that, regardless of the outcome. And, you know, it... it it is unfortunate that we have to make plans for extreme action, but like I said, it's, they're not going to give it to us, even if Bernie is elected. After we abolish landlords, we don't have to, we don't have to kill them. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, that's my, I mean, that's my feeling. I think that's damaging to the soul. That's part of it is once we break up Google, break up YouTube, break up Facebook, national, I mean, for me, nationalize these things, right. then that, that'd be... Uh, a huge step forward as far as education and um, and that stuff goes. All right, the new tapes uh, from Project Veritas. Again, another Bernie person, uh, Mason Baird, uh, field organizer, saying Bernie Sanders workers are radical gulag stories, but they were exaggerated. And Daniel Taylor, another Bernie Sanders, South Carolina organizer, field organizer, saying, you know, we're keeping Antifa on on the back burner. Extreme actions are being planned and saying he wants to abolish landlords and break up big tech companies. What are we going to do? 
Uh, we're gonna. How do you abolish them? Do you kill them? Do you get rid of them? Do you just confiscate their property? What do you do? Anyway, James O'Keefe, founder, CEO, Project Veritas. This is now the third time you've nailed Bernie Sanders' field supporters saying the most insane, bizarre, and frankly scary things. Has anything happened up to this point? You even went to the Secret Service and tried to warn them there might be uh, some dangerous. There might be dangerous people here. Well, thanks, Sean. Yeah, this is Mason Baird and Dan Taylor. They're both they're both paid field organizers in South Carolina for the Bernie Sanders campaign. You heard the quotes there. They're going to abolish property ownership in the United States, but not kill the landlords, according to the paid staffers. Has anything happened, Sean? Um, what's happened is they're they're continuing to lock their Twitter accounts. Mason Baird locked his Twitter account. The, the National Bernie Sanders campaign communications person has locked her Twitter account. And just in uh, a few minutes ago, actually, the general counsel from the Bernie Sanders campaign, a man named John Robinson, uh, chief operations officer and general counsel, has, has sent an email out to the entire Bernie Sanders campaign telling them to beware of Project Veritas reporters. So they're more concerned with getting caught saying the things about gulags than they are about actually saying the things about gulags. Of course, it's you more than anybody. <laughs> you know, it cracks me up. Um, it's look, unbelievable. First of all, I would like to say to you that I know you've taken a lot. You have, you have had to put up with a lot over the many, many years. Now, it's interesting. If you go back and watch the early days of Mike Wallace, Morley Safer, Harry Reasoner in 60 Minutes, this is like right out of their playbook. You did not originate this type of reporting. The only difference is, is they don't like what you report. And as a result, you've had to surround yourself with an a, a army of attorneys constantly. Uh, you've been, what, taken to court six times, and I think each time you've won, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, just last Friday we were in a deposition. I was being deposed by the National Teachers Union, and they, they said in the public uh, releases, they said they wanted to, quote, stop me and to, quote, halt us. And, and I was sitting there being sued, Sean, and I get sued a lot. I've won every single lawsuit, and these people want to stop me from actually working. And, and what I say to them in these lawsuits, I say, let's litigate this all the way to a federal court of appeals, because if you stop me from quoting people, you're going to have to stop the First Amendment itself. That's what this is about, Sean. It's about the right to just publish what these people are saying to essentially strangers. We, we don't have really huge relationships built up with Mason Beard and Daniel Daniel inside the Bernie Sanders campaign. And they confess to us they want to abolish property ownership. They want to have education concentration camps for people who disagree with them. And I get sued and I get attacked for reporting news. And, it's, and that's what's on the line, Sean. Every time we get sued, I fight. I do not settle lawsuits. I have not settled lawsuits. And we've won actually seven straight lawsuits and we'll continue to win. This general counsel, John Robinson, for the Bernie Sanders campaign, is informing everyone uh, uh, of, to beware of people like me out and about trying to capture conversations. I find this and, amazing. And it's about. not the people, uh, you know, it's not the people that are involved in saying this crazy stuff and, you know, talking about sending uh, uh, senators to re-education camps and, you know, saying that, you know, the guillotine the, uh, for the rich and all this sort of stuff. 
Um, no, it's you for actually exposing it. But and and I will tell people not to whine or complain. But if you're a conservative in media, the few of us that exist, uh, we deal with the same thing every day. We have literally people right now. I promise you, James O'Keefe, and they'll write about it. They monitor every word. They monitor every second, every minute, every hour of every day that I'm on the air in the hopes that I say one thing. They could take one word, one phrase, one sentence out of context and then use it to try to attempt to shut down this show or shut down another show that they don't like. Sean, I'm going to read a quote from the general counsel, John Robinson, who sent out this email out today to everyone inside the Bernie Sanders campaign. General counsel for Bernie Sanders said, quote, a few general points. Be careful what you say, especially in public. Always assume that you may be recorded. Be careful what you say. Notice the language there. He's not telling people don't, don't, don't demonstrate policies that are consistent with the Soviet Union. Don't embrace communism. He said, be careful telling people that that's what, we're, what we believe in. So Project Veritas is premised on the fact that we're trying to, we're trying to get people to reform their behavior. We want, we want people to know just how outside the mainstream these policies are, that you can't believe in this stuff and run for president. You can't, you, can't, you can't actually prescribe policy solutions like this. None of that is, is happening inside the campaign. They're just not wanting to get caught. Oh, and they also want to stop people from reporting news. And because the mainstream media will never report this stuff, that's why it's so important Project Veritas continues to, because we're the only, we're the only investigative reporting agency that's willing to expose these sacred cows. So in response, Sean, we always have more tapes. I do think that, you know, we're putting the pressure on. You're putting the pressure on. There's going to be more shoes to drop. Well, there's and, a lot of news happening, James. And I'll tell you, I always want to make time for this because it's important to me. And the amount of work that goes into this is is crucial. And you've done so much good work over the years. And I know sometimes other news steps on on some of your great reporting. I don't like when that happens. And I know some people ignore what you do, and I don't want to do that. And uh, I just want to continue to uh, to to expose it because I think you're you're having an impact. And I want to thank you for always sharing it with us. We're going to put uh, your website on my website if people want to watch this for themselves and listen to this for themselves in its entirety at Hannity.com or it's ProjectVeritas.com. OK, thank you very much, Sean. Stay tuned. We got more tape coming. All right. James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program man oh what crazy times we're living in now i do want to preview my interview with the president uh for the super bowl on sunday i'm pretty excited about that 24 years on tv i get the first time i got a shot linda and 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 people are complaining about me getting a shot oh we have you know how many years in running number one in all of cable this is this is how we get treated why should why should he get it he's only number one and by the way thanks to you um, in this audience, because I don't make that happen. You make that happen. Manager Schiff's words, he talked about it would be wrong if the FBI or the Department of Justice was starting a political investigation of, of, the, of someone's political opponent. And I'm thinking to myself, but isn't that exactly what happened? Multiple witnesses who were called in the House by the House Democrats testified that United States policy towards Ukraine got stronger under the Trump administration, in part largely because of that lethal aid. All right, we got one minute in this segment, uh, 800-941-SEAN. We'll preview the Super Bowl when we get back, and uh, my interview with the president, we'll get to your calls. 
Uh, real quick, Dev in New York, you get the minute this hour. What's up, sir? Hi, Sean. Um, first of all, I love your show. You're great for the country, and it's just too bad that we don't have more people like you doing this, this job for the president and for the country. I just had one point. Um, you know, they talk about witnesses, um, and if there are witnesses that are talking about, like, each side getting one, each side getting two, like an even process, what I don't understand is the, the House managers, the House, they had their 17, 18 witnesses. Um, they had an ironclad case. Um, Nadler said during the hearings that the president will be convicted in three minutes. Everything, they have a perfect case. And then they're coming on to say that the president, um, when he made that call, he had only himself in mind because, um, because, you know, there was no reason to investigate Biden because that's a debunked theory. So if that's the case, they had their witnesses, they had their case, an ironclad case. Now it's the president's turn to get witnesses. So I don't know why they don't entertain the, 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 that, that if there are witnesses. The Let me tell you something. To- this, the, 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 this issue of witnesses should die for the very they've had their witnesses. And frankly, Hunter and Joe need to be investigated separately. And frankly, this guy Shokin has called for it in Ukraine. I agree with him. All right, quick break. Right back. Preview of my interview with the president for the Super Bowl. Uh, Burgess Owens will preview the game and uh, talk about events of the day. We'll get your calls in. Final half hour. We have an amazing Hannity tonight as we now hopefully get to the end of this mess. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. All right, I know we've been doing news, news, impeachment, impeachment, and everything else in between. I uh, just wanted to take a break, preview a little bit. So, uh, well, after 24 years, Linda's laughing. After 24 years on Fox and a number being number one, I finally got the Super Bowl interview that, with the president, which is now pretty much a tradition. I think it airs in the pregame somewhere in the three or four o'clock hour. I think they give you like 10, 15 minutes. I think 10. We'll probably go longer and run the rest of it Monday on Hannity on Fox. But uh, it's an honor. And, you know, everyone's asking me in the mob and the media, well, what are you going to ask the president? Oh, I don't know. Nothing really going on except, let's see, never ending impeachment and witch hunts and conspiracy theories. We have an election in 278 days. Uh, oh, and you did take out Soleimani and knock out the caliphate in uh, ISIS and Baghdadi and his buddies. Isn't that really nothing I can think of? Can you think of anything, Linda, I might want to ask the president um, what he thinks of the big game? Certainly. Try and put myself, this is a little bit of a different interview, because I'm trying to put myself in the in, at the location, if you will, of the, you know, the average person at home. What are they doing? Average person at home. Let's see. They were friends of family. They probably having a good time, couple of beers, drinks, wine, whatever they happen to like, some chicken wings. Maybe they set up the barbecue, the smoker. Maybe, you know, they're going to make some, what, a brisket. I don't know, whatever people like to do. And they're with friends and family, and they're there having fun. So it's not, it's a little bit different than an interview that I would do just on my show. But obviously, impeachment, got to ask about that. Got to ask about uh, certainly the election upcoming. Got to ask, I think I have a question or two about the media. Got to ask about uh, foreign policy and Soleimani and Iran and stuff like that. The new peace deal that he announced. Pretty fascinating. Trade deals with China. I can go on for 20 hours, but I only have a few minutes. And then I want to ask him about football. I don't think anybody is tuning into the Super Bowl. Let me be very blunt here. Linda, back me up here. I don't think anyone's going to tune into the Super Bowl to watch Sean Hannity do a show. 
That's not what Super Bowl Sunday is. Well, He's the I president. will be. <laughs> I will be. I don't know if that's a threat or what. I also know nothing about football, so there's a good reason. Oh, for that. it's terrible. I mean, she when she, I, how many points do you get for a safety? No, no. Know? Let's not do this to the audience. How, how many points do you get for a field goal? I have no idea. You have no, what, I don't even know what many, a field goal when is. You get a, when you get a touchdown, how many points do you get? Do you know? I have no idea. <sighs> it's, 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 you, this, Nor do I care. But listen, I love listen, the camaraderie. Because I can say it more friends and it's fun and no one else will understand it's actually meant as a joke. It's almost un-American that you have no idea what any of this is. It's almost un-American. You know, if you say that about anybody. But I they, love the parties. Those are fun. Exactly. Now, then that's my point. Anyway, our good friend Burgess Owens is with us, former NFL player, part of the 1980 Super Bowl winning Oakland Raiders lineup. Was that with uh, Kenny Stabler and Daryl LaMonica and on um, all those guys? You know, I missed uh, Kenny. I was there with Jim Plunkett and... Uh, Oh, Miles Plunkett Dino, was great. Mar- Marcus Allen is a good group of guys. The, Mo- the Motley Crew, we called them. Uh, uh, Man. John Kuzak, who were great guys. Kenny Stabler, but what was his nickname? The Snake. He, he was a lefty, <laughs> and he had a hell of an arm. And the Oakland Raiders were always kind of like the bad guy team for a long time. You were part of that 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 bad guy group at, at the time and a phenomenal player. You know, John, you know, John, it was just fun sitting back and watching these guys do their thing. Uh, it was uh it was truly a different, a different type of organization. It was the last chance for so many of them, and they acted like it. They came together and just played together and, and loved that culture, just win, baby. So kind of what we, it's kind of where we are right now with just win, baby uh, attitude around our country. So I'm very, very excited about it, to, to say the least. What do you think of the two – before we get to some other issue, what, what, <clears throat> well, let me back up. What I like about football and sports in general is that it mirrors life. What, what, you don't always win. And you need to be, learn to be a gracious winner. You need to even learn to be a gracious loser. You learn the harder you work, the better you do. And sometimes even your best efforts don't get you to where you want to go. And what I love about football in particular, it's sort of like, you know, I train mixed martial arts now for seven years. I do real fighting. I mean, real fighting. This is not a game. Um, I, have, I have busted fingers all over my, my hands to prove it. But, you know, what I love about it more than anything is the life lessons and the discipline it takes to be good at anything. Sean, you nailed it. Uh, I'll tell you the thing that comes out of it, and again, I, I came in in 73 when the, the game was still, they're still trying to go into some of those issues of, of uh, 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 discrimination. You know, certain positions didn't have the black players. What I love about sports is it's all about meritocracy. At some point, you get to where you don't care less about what you see. You care, you, you, you care more about what people bring to the plate the value and the fact that you can get, get together and win. And it's nothing like, and one thing also about, about football in particular, you learn to run toward your fear. Uh, as a defensive back, I learned to run toward as fast as I could. The, the biggest guys coming down the field because I wanted to get there before they, they, uh, they got up field and, and embarrassed me. So, so it, mm-hmm. you learn a lot of good lessons. You learn a lot of good lessons. And the biggest part is, is that a team that comes together that's harmonious, that looks at each other and do your part, they have a very good chance of winning a big one. That's what it takes to get there. Well, I've also had the honor, and I consider you now a friend, because I love your values. You you have taken on the, the, the passion of your faith. You've taken on the passion of helping kids in crisis. You've taken on the passion of, of spreading a message of that we can all do better, all do more, and it's inspiring to me. Well, John, that's, that's old school. It's interesting. I grew up uh, in an era of the greatest generation ever. That's what they taught. 
We taught to love your country, uh, respect God, country, family, respect women. Uh, and it's, 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 to me, it's like, you know, taking your next breath. And I'm so fortunate to be now in Utah, in Salt Lake City, where we value the very, very strong here. And, uh, and it's those values that I would believe is going to bring our country back. Once we wake up and recognize we truly are at risk of losing everything that's important to us, Americans do what we do best. We wake up, we go out, fight, and we start winning. So I look forward to that. And I'm just thankful to have a president who drew a line in the, in the sand and uh, made sure that uh, Americans can figure out what it really does take to, to fight back the bullies. I love it. You've also been a big supporter of the president. And um, I don't know if you've lost your mind, but you're running, <laughs> you're running, and you've, you're declaring your candidacy to run in Utah for Congress, their fourth congressional district, and it's a district that you want to win back for Republicans after the election of uh, Democrat Ben McAdams. Um, wow. Uh, I, I, I honestly, I don't know why you'd ever want to do this, but I'm glad you're doing it, and I fully support you. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. By the way, uh, you find me at BurgessForUtah.com. You know, I'm, I'm one of those guys, Sean, that says for years, literally, I would never, ever be a politician. And I never thought I would. And about uh, eight months ago, last couple of years, I've been working with at-risk kids. And I realized about eight, eight, nine months ago that if we don't get our house back, the kids we have in Utah, the kids across our country don't have a chance. Because what the left does is they put in policies that make sure our kids don't have a chance, that they're not educated, not, that they're not, they're not hopeful. They, they don't have respect for our country, God, and, and family. So in order for us to get back the House, keep the Senate, you know, and, and empower our president to continue to do what he's doing right now, keep our America great and make it better, greater, then I, I felt this is my, my, my opportunity to step in and, and, and speak truth to power. So I'm excited about it. I'm more, more excited now that I uh, made the decision. Across uh, the board, I think Americans are waking up. We're finding out that we truly are at risk, and I love the fact that those of us who understand that can be part of this, uh, this great uh, time in history. Do you want to comment? I've been pretty, well, critical of Senator Romney from your state. <laughs> Um, I don't. I, I understand that he doesn't like Donald Trump or Donald Trump's style. I understand he has a very different style. Uh, but yeah. I also understand that there are constitutional um, issues in play here that should transcend uh, any animosity he might have or dislike he might have for Donald Trump. Uh, what are your thoughts? I agree. Uh, you know, what it comes down to it's all about America. It's not about personality. And, and this is such a common sense. Oh, uh, yeah, has a little bit, a little bit of critical thinking. You see what's going on here. You see the left that doesn't have any idea or a desire to have uh, any fairness, any rule of law. They'll do anything and say anything to get their power. And anyone who does not stand up against that, I cannot respect. Uh, we're we're fighting for our, our country, and we we have a president who's, who's doing everything he can on his own in a lot of times to make sure that we're getting better and better at giving more people hope and opportunities in a great future. But those who stand on the sideline and do not give him praise, that'll give him the opportunity to, to do what he has to do. Uh, I just I can't respect. So I'm 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 excited about the fact that I'm seeing Americans, particularly Black Americans and, and Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans. We're waking up and saying we're not going to stay on this Democratic plantation any longer. We realize what they do because now that we have a president who's shining light on them, we've now realized that we have a way of, of moving forward. Or staying backwards and and uh, and in this divisiveness that, that that the left wants to keep us in. So we got Kansas City and the 49ers, Garoppolo and Mahomes. I mean, you know, uh, Garoppolo's not been throwing a lot of passes for the 49ers. Their run game has been what's been what's been dominating in their defense. And 
Mahomes is just, I mean, he's rocking everybody's world. Thoughts? Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm like Linda. <laughs> I don't keep up nowadays. I kind of kind of let it let it go for the last three years particularly. But, uh, and I'm, I'm not an X and O guy anymore, but I'll tell you what I do know. I love the coaches that can pull together a team, keep egos in place, everybody look at each other as a, as a teammate and want to move forward. And I, I don't see anyone doing it any better today than Andy Reid. I saw him doing it in Philadelphia with a team that, Players will actually take less money to stay there because they wanted to, to get to the Super Bowl. He's done the same thing again with Kansas City. So the little bit, I mean, it's not a, it's not a, a hit thing with me in terms of what makes sense. It's total heart. He deserves it. He's a class guy. And I, I'm, I'm just pulling for that team to really show this is really the American dream, the American way. It's, it's team, teammates with all kinds of backgrounds and personalities that come together in the field and that culture is such they want to they just win big. And I, love, I love seeing it again. Well, I think the world of you. Uh, I want to wish you luck. I mean, if it helps you, uh, I fully endorse and support your candidacy. You're you're a good you. man with a great heart, and uh, I think you'd be wonderful for the state of Utah and the fourth district. Uh, although, if it's going to hurt you by, by by even knowing me, I'll I'll say the opposite, and I'll just I'll just lie like Hillary does. But I'll, you know, whatever you prefer. Um, but thank anyway, so, we we really so appreciate time. all you uh, all you do. We wish you all the best of luck. And uh, Burgess Owens, uh, thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate it, Burgess for Utah. Thanks so much, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Eight hundred nine four one Sean toll free telephone number. All right, a couple of calls here. Uh, Chad, Texas, Sean Hannity show. How are you, Chad? Glad you called. Hey, Sean, I'm doing great. Thanks for taking the call. I'm glad I got through before the end of January so I could tell you Happy New Year. Still January. Happy New Year. Um, I don't want to take much time on this whole impeachment trial. The only thing I'm going to say is for the life of me, I don't know everything political, but for the life of me, I still cannot understand how Schiff was not charged with contempt of the president of his interpretation of the call. That was totally false. But that put a head on that, you know, is close to the Super Bowl, maybe have some little fun. Are you going to the Super Bowl, Sean? Uh, I will be down there undecided as of this moment, to be honest. Excluding the uh, little friendly bet you made with Simple Man O'Reilly, exclude that. Who do you like in the Super Bowl, excluding that bet, because you bet against O'Reilly for the fun of it? I just did it for the fun of it. You know, I'll tell you what I really want, and nobody believes me when I say that. I really, sometimes the, the game itself is a disappointment. I've been to a couple of Super Bowls, because my kids like to go, um, and when when the game is good and close, it's sort of like when the when when Tom Brady won. Remember that interception? Well, I think they were playing the Seahawks at the time. Last minute, I love that game. I love a game like that. Um, I look at Garoppolo and the 49ers, and he's not throwing a lot of passes. Uh, Pat Mahomes is going to maybe get the biggest contract in NFL history as he heads to the Super Bowl. Um, I think both teams have their pluses and minuses. I would, I would, if Kansas City can stay close in the beginning, I'd say advantage them. If if the 49ers, you know, come out of the box hot, it's going to be hard to catch them like they did in in pre like Kansas City has in previous games. I just want a good game. Is my answer. Who do I think's going to win? I honestly think it's Pickham. What what is the spread, Jason? I think it's 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 practically a pick 'em. It it started off as the Chiefs by a point and a half. Yeah, I mean, I, they're where I am. I think it can go either way. I would watch for certain things, um, but I, I, I don't know. If I was the Forty ers I think I would let Garoppolo throw more than he has been throwing, just to throw Kansas City off, and that would open up the run game, especially if he gets a few, you know, long successful passes in. 
But uh, it's I'm, I'm just hoping for a good game. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Alan Dershowitz tonight exclusively responding to the vicious attacks against him. Uh, Peter Ducey will share with us his exclusive interview with Donald Trump. Uh, we'll have a timeline and when we think the schumer Shipsham show actually ends and how it ends. Carter Page on his lawsuit. Uh, John Solomon, Greg Jarrett, much more. 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. We'll see you tonight at 9, back here for our Friday, perhaps end of impeachment, Schumer-Schiff-Sham show edition tomorrow.